What's good? My name is Chris Dallas. It's Traveling Anonymous. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you for everybody that helps keep the movement moving. Um, shout out to Breakbeat Media. Follow us on that Instagram, Traveling Anonymous. Follow me at Chris Dallas. Um, you know, like I said, I always say thank you all for keeping us viral, keeping this movement going. It's just, it's been a, it's been a long, long road, and I'm just happy to be able to give you the topics and the stuff that. I feel like plays our community sometimes and just give you the information that a lot of us can't or don't have the access to. Uh, do listen to us on that Apple Music podcast. Make sure you rate us. Make sure you give us five stars and leave a nice comment. Um, and share, like, share, follow, do all that stuff. Um, do remember that the stories that you hear do not necessarily reflect real life. They're here to entertain, educate, or just keep your little homie off the streets. It's only entertainment. Please don't get me indicted. My name is Chris Stavis. Let's get it. Oh yeah, go with that merch too. We got that traveling audience merch. Let's get it. How you doing? Hi. Ooh, we got a lot to get to today, huh? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. We don't take the scenic route here at Traveling Anonymous. I like to get right into the interview. Mm -hmm. How do you end up giving birth in prison? Selling drugs and taking a charge from my husband. He was looking at some time, so I felt like I never been in trouble. So I felt like if I took the charge, I would get less time, which I did. But and you knew you were pregnant at that time. At the time, no, I found out when I went in there. So you took a charge for your husband mm -hmm. while pregnant mm -hmm. because you would receive less time. Yeah. I just felt like, I don't know, I'd rather do a few years than opposed to him doing like 12 years. He's a predicate, so I just felt like, you know, and then I knew they had a, I felt out, well, at the time I didn't know I was going to get as much time as I did, but then like overall while I was in, uh, in the jail, I knew that they had a nursery at the prison. By that time, I already took my charge. I already got sentenced. There was nothing I could do. It was no going back. They did ask me if I wanted to get an abortion. While I was at the jail, they could take me somewhere, but I said no, like, I, don't, I didn't want to do it. Okay. So, when you are sitting in that cell, mm -hmm. well, let's go before you, before you get to the cell. Mm -hmm. In that courtroom, did you try to take it to trial? No, I never took it, because I already wrote the judge and the DA and said that I, it was my drug, so I couldn't take it to trial. My husband's lawyer was actually in court with my lawyer to make sure I took the charge. Wow. His lawyer was in court. How, how were you able to even go into labor in the prison? Like, or did, did they take you to the hospital? How did that? Yeah, well, once I went in labor, this, he's my fifth child. So once I went in labor, like I knew when I was going in labor. So they, um, it's something called in Bedford Hills, a RMU. So it's like a hospital, like their own little hospital, and they have doctors in there. So I was in pain. They took me to the RMU like five in the morning. She said, uh, you know, she checked me or whatever, and I was like eight centimeters dilated. Wow. So then they had to call the ambulance, but they still, while you're doing that, you still gotta, I had to be strip searched before I even went out the hospital. So my baby could have fell out because I was, had to cough, squat, cough. And the doctor was even like, she's eight centimeters. The baby, 
she could have the baby right now. Like, we got to get her out of here. And it was like, that's protocol. She got to still get strip searched before she leave out the facility. You go there, you have the baby, and then you come right back to jail. Yeah, two days later, I was in a hospital, like, you know, in a regular hospital. Like, we would have, like, on the outside, and then I had him, and I came back. Are you, like, handcuffed to the bed? No, they don't do that no more. But I couldn't get... Like, they got a unit in there for just women that's in prison that have babies that's pregnant. Wow. So it's a unit inside the jail, like, separated from the regular labor and delivery floor, the regular maternity floor. So, but I couldn't get, like, everything was considered contraband. So we could, we had to eat out of plastic, everything. Mm. I couldn't get, like, silverware, you know, the glass mm. stuff. I had to get everything plastic. It was even somebody in there cleaning, a, a janitor was in there cleaning. And he was on FaceTime, and he, the COs flipped on him, like, we got an inmate in here, you can't be on that. For all we know, you could be trying to line her, like, you know, like, sending somebody her whereabouts. My family didn't even know I had my son until I got out the um, hospital, and I was able to go back to the prison and make a phone call. You can't make phone calls, you can't. I did tell one of my friends that was in jail with me, though, well, in prison, that if I went into labor, I gave her my uncle's number to give him a call and tell him that I'm in labor. But you come back to the prison, the baby gets an ID number. Mm -hmm. His ID number was, mine's was 17G1058, his was 18X1058. They get a DIN number. They get counted, during count, all of that. Clothes, guys, I, his DIN number in it. If somebody sends something from out of the facility, they engrave it with his DIN number in it. What was that like for you? Mentally, to know that your son was born in prison? Mentally, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be because I had other women there that had children in it, you know, like, so I was going through the same thing. I ain't feel alone, but I don't know. I feel like I needed my son more than he needed me. Like, I needed, for, for some reason, I felt like. Somebody close to me, I didn't know nobody there. That was the only person I had. Like, that was the only thing I had, a part of me. So I needed him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, How it may sound selfish, but I was happy he was there. Wow. How old were you at the time? When I was 33. 33. Yeah. I a turned 33 while I was in there. A newborn requires a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I'm 33 now. I just had a newborn. Wow. But a newborn requires a lot of work. How are you, like, every two hours, the feeding, the, the, the nursing, the holding the baby, the... Well, they give you, in, F, um, in the nursery, you get your own room. So you got a bed, the baby has a crib. They give you, one thing I can say about Bedford Hills, they give you everything you need for it. It's like coming home to, everything is set up, brand new everything. So I would feed him, like, you know, like, everything is still the same. The only thing you couldn't do was sleep with the baby, so you'll get kicked out the nursery for that because I guess somebody rolled over their baby years ago and it's tragedy. But other than that, they treat you good. The baby's good. The unit is very nice and clean. It's food there. It's, it's you know, like if somebody had to do it, I would, you know, I wouldn't recommend it, but like if you had to, you know, it was, it wasn't bad at all. How long is the baby allowed to stay with you? Why? The baby is allowed to stay for 18 months. Within the, they're allowed to stay for a year, but if you get out within the next six months, like after the year, within six months after that year, they're allowed to stay 18 months. But if not, 
Like, I know somebody that was there for nine years. So after the year, her baby had to go home. But if you're getting out within, you know, after they turn one, if you get out within six months after that, they're allowed to stay with you up to 18 months. And how much time did you do? I did only a year. So my son, when, by the time I came from jail and I went to the actual prison, I only had to do like 90 days. Because I did more time in the um, jail. I had Willard. So I had to do Willard alternative in the jail because, you know, Willard is like a boot camp. So I was pregnant, so it was alternative. So I only did 90 days in prison. So my son was weeks when I came home. While, while you were in there, was there any very extremely difficult points while you were there? Any traumatic experiences that you had to deal with maybe while you were pregnant or maybe while after you had the kid? Or was everything more so, I don't know, like, were you comforted in there? Like what? Yeah, well, I dealt with two deaths while I was in there. Mm -hmm. um, my nephew passed away. He got murdered while I was in there. Today is the actual day. It's been six years today. Um, and my friend, I had 57 days left when she died. So She was inside? No, she wasn't in there. Oh, and know. then I had another situation where as a girl that I knew that was in the prison, she overdosed in the prison, she died. Overdose of dope. Her name was Erica. So, three deaths while I was there. <clears throat> and sort of, how does it impact you being, I guess, pregnant or with a child? And how, how do these things impact you? How do other the, the other inmates? How do they interact with you? Is it the other inmates was really nice. Mm -hmm. The other inmates was nice. They like, cause first I went to I was on a regular unit. Before I went to the nursery, like right before you had a baby, they'll take you to the nursery. Like if you're about to give birth, they'll bring you to the nursery. But I was on a regular unit. So, but they was, all the girls, I mean, I was in um, something called the uppers where lifers is there. I don't know why they put somebody that got 90 days with lifers. But when you end the um, Willard program, they put you with the lifers in something called the uppers. I was actually downstairs um, from where Remy used to be. She was upstairs. But they, um... They was older ladies, like they treated me nice, like the whole unit. Yeah. Called me prego, rubbed my stomach, yeah. cooked for me, yeah. you know, like I had my own food shit, but they would cook for me, they would do they did everything for me. Wow. Um was there ever a sense of guilt? Yeah, because I left other kids home. Like when I got locked up, my I had two boys, fourteen and fifteen. They felt like they had to hold it down. They was used to living a certain lifestyle. So then they went out there and started hustling and selling drugs. Like right now, my oldest one is locked up. And the other one, he just came home. He came home on the ankle monitor. I bailed him out and then the other one went to jail like three days later. So I feel like I messed my kids up. I wasn't there for them. They went through a lot and I wasn't there to hold them down like that. Still to this day, I blame myself like that guilt Eats, eats at me because, and they say it like we get into it at times. They say it like you wasn't here, like you don't know what we went through when you wasn't here, like so that. And the whole time I was there, I didn't want them to come visit me. So being there as a mom all those years to a year, you don't see this person that's always there, that's always been there, that like that fucked me up. But other than that, I was there. I, I can't say for them. But like I risked a lot and sacrificed a lot to take care of them, like to get them nice things and to, that's why I was even selling drugs, was to maintain, make sure they was good on top of having a, my own drug habit, my own drug addiction. Like, 
Okay, before we get there, how how old is your son now, the one you had in prison? He's five. One day you're going to have to tell him where he was born. I know. How does, he, how does that conversation go in your head, if it does? He's so young, I never even thought what to say, but I, I don't know what I'm going to say to him. I just hope it don't, somebody else don't get to tell him before I do. Wow. But I really don't know. Like, it's been said, talked about around him, but I don't think he have an idea what's right. really, you know, like he was born in prison. I don't think he knows. He was hustling. Mm-hmm. How deep were you in the streets? I was real deep. I was real deep. The money was good, and I was addicted. Like, I got addicted. It's like a real addiction. And somebody told me, you know what's so crazy? If I said, what happens? The drug users, they have a, a um, place for them to go when they're addicted to something. Like, you go to rehab. Where's the rehab for us? Everybody said prison. Mm. And that's true. Like, but I, was at the, I came home and was still messing. I, I have a drug, open drug charge right now. For? For crack cocaine and Percocets. You got caught? Distributing? No, I got caught. My son got in trouble. They raided my house. It was looking for guns. And I, it was drugs in the house. Mm -hmm. So. So you took the charge? From I took the charge from my son. And the Percocets? That was mine. And that, that was mine. That personal use. How bad is your drug addiction now? It's real bad. Like, I go to a drug program, but it's not, it's not helping. Like, I've been doing Percocets for so long. Like, it, I don't know, it makes me, it stops me from thinking of anything. You know, like, it helps me cope. Like, go through my day. If I don't have it, I'm having a bad day. But when I get it, just the, even the thought of getting it excites me. Like, it makes my day go by. But now it's to the point, it's not even so much as to get high, it's the point I need it. I can't eat if I don't have it. I can't do anything. I don't even have an appetite. I can't get up. I can't push myself. I have to work every day. I can't work if I don't have pills. When was the last time you did a day without a Percocet? When I was in prison. And how many years ago was that? Five. Wow. And before that, it was like seven, eight. Did you have withdrawals while you was in prison? No, it's so crazy. No, I didn't. But you were pregnant, so you were taking these pills while pregnant? Yeah, before I got in there, yeah. I was. It doesn't affect the child? Yeah, it do, but like, it's hard. I couldn't just stop. I'm glad I did. In a sense, that's how I said, a, a blessing came out of something. Like, in a sense, I'm glad I did go to prison because I did basically my whole pregnancy in there. I got out when my son was only a couple of weeks old. So it's like God put me there, like he placed me there for that moment because my son was, he was the biggest kid I had. He was, you know, a big baby, he was healthy. But I feel like if I would have been on the streets, I would have never stopped doing pills. How does the Percocets influence the pregnancy or influence, impacts the child? They get, they have withdrawals. And that's why like when I went there, when I got locked up, they tried to like, um, they knew I had a pill addiction. They put me in some, um, part called medical because like I told them so they put you in there so you could detox like they like when the last time you had a pill I'm like before y'all came and got me 
So they put me in there for a few days, and they asked me, they offered me some um, methadone. But I didn't take it because I didn't want my son to be addicted to it. It's just another addiction. And some babies are addicted to methadone. So I refused it, but I, I went cold turkey, but I didn't have a choice. As soon as you got out, you went Yeah, I, like I told the counselor in prison, like, since I've been here, this is not helping. I still, like, cause we went to, you know, drug counselors and stuff. I said, I think, she said, when do you think about pills every day? I said, when I get out, I'm going to take, like, I never not wanted to do it. So the dichotomy of just going from being a person that is serving the fiends, mm. serving the drug users, to now becoming the person that is getting served these drugs that can't survive without them. Mm. What does that sort of do to you? Do you ever think about that? The only thing it did sometimes was stop money because if I didn't have my fix, they couldn't, I would tell, I was turn them down. I, nobody not getting hot. So I, I used to have fiends looking for Percocets for me because they knew that I'm not doing nothing. I can't get up. I can't move. Like, I'm not serving nobody. I'm not good. Wow. That's how it really was. And still is. Mm -hmm. How many do you take a day? Let's count. Like 10, 15. Yeah. Like 30s? Like 30s, I probably do like five of them a day. But like tens and. Even today? Yeah, I was probably doing like four already. Okay. Um, what are the long term effects of that? Of, 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 of abusing prescription drugs? No, it's so crazy. I never even looked into that because I don't want to know. Like, mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because, like, say if I have. If I actually do have pain, like if I break a leg or something and they give me that, it's not even going to work. Because your body is so... My body's so used to it, nothing's going to work. Like when I have toothaches and I try to take, it doesn't work for a toothache. Like it doesn't work for actual pain because I abused it for so long. It's not, it doesn't work for me. How'd you grow up? Um, well, I grew up with my mom. My dad was killed by his girlfriend in Brownsville. His, his girlfriend stabbed and killed him. When I was 15, I had my daughter. My mom, me and my mom wasn't close. I'm the only child on both sides. Like, I have people I call my brothers and sisters, but for my mother and my father, I'm the only child. You spoke to your father that day? Yeah, I spoke to him that day, and he was asking me about a game. Woke my daughter up in the middle of the night. I cursed him out, hung up the phone. Found out the next morning he was dead. He got stabbed and killed. That night, like an hour after I hung up on him. How did that affect you? That fucked me up mentally. Like, I'm like, damn, like, that was the last thing I said. So I felt like it was my fault. Like, maybe if I would have stayed on a little longer, he wouldn't have went back outside. Like, I don't know. It, that shit still fucks with me, because I'm like, he got killed in the same building he was born and raised in all his life. And. Did your mother look after you? My mother was at work all the time. My mother was a workaholic still to this day. That's all she worried about. That's all she ever thought about. Like, she took care of me financially. I had everything. Don't get me wrong. I had everything I ever wanted. Christmases, birthdays, you know, holidays, vacations. I had everything, I, but she was never there. So, you know, of course, being home by yourself, you're going to start. I had a baby. Got pregnant at 13. Had a baby at 14 years old. You got pregnant at 13? At 13 years old. I had my daughter two months after my 14th birthday. By who? By my daughter's father. He was a Spanish guy, older guy. Uh -oh. At the time, he was like 18, so he went to jail for um, 
statutory rape because I was a minor. So, so how did he get caught? You told. Well, once you know, my mother, of course, they asked me who's the father, and then she found out his age. You know, she started communicating with the family. It wasn't even actually her that did it. It was a school I was going to that was called Teen Aid Downtown Brookline. And it's for um, mothers, you know, pregnant teens or whatever. And they asked us questions, and they actually got the cops involved. 13 years old. This mm -hmm. guy, what did he think you were? He knew you were young. No, he knew I was, he knew I was my age. He knew how old I was. That was his second kid, too. My daughter's a second child. How did he sort of take it when they come, they come to arrest him because? He was mad. His family was mad. To this day, they still mad. They don't deal with my daughter. Wow. Like, they paid child support. You know, he had to pay. My daughter's grown now, but he had to pay child support, so they paid child support. But they don't. They never had a relationship with my daughter. The family dislikes me. They always disliked me for that. So we, my daughter don't communicate with them, see them. And she don't know them. Never had a relationship? No. Um, 13 years old as a mother, I can't even imagine. Yeah, um, my mother basically, I had to give her legal guardianship because I couldn't get no health insurance for my daughter. I couldn't, like, they used to bill my mother every time we went to a doctor's appointment, so I gave her legal guardianship. So my mother, like, raised her. Like, my daughter looks at me like a sister to this day. She doesn't, she calls my mother mom, you know, like, so. That's hard, but wow. I felt I did what was best, you know, mm -hmm. at that young age. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like I gave her a better life. I guess I'm more concerned about why you were having sex at 13. <sighs> Daddy issues. Daddy issues. That's the only thing I could say. Like, I don't know, looking for love or, you know, it's the only thing I could say, really. How did you I didn't know have that? Daddy? I lost my virginity. You don't want to know how I lost my virginity. Where I lost my virginity? On a roof in a building. Seriously. At 12. And then I got pregnant at 13. Same guy? But it was same guy. But that's how I lost my virginity. I lost my virginity at 12 years old. To a guy that was 17? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um... Wow, this, um, what sort of path did you uh, go on after, you know, 13 years old, you had a kid? Well, I was doing good. I went to Wilmington, Delaware. My mom put me in a, she kept my daughter, wanted me to finish school, like you still do it. I got scholarships to go to mortuary schools and everything, but I was coming back and forth out here. Got pregnant again with my son at, I had my, at 17, I got pregnant with my son, but I was, you know, moved to Wilmington, Delaware, and that's when I think everything went left. Why? That, it was worse there. I got hooked up with the wrong people. It was this guy I got hooked up with. He was real nice to me. It was like a father figure, but, you know, he tried to pimp me out and shit. At, I think I was 16 at the time. Like, I would go to Philly with him and do dates at 16 years old. But he, like, he was like a father figure. Like, he wasn't, you know, everybody say, like, those type of men are, like,
they beat women like the pimps or whatever, whatever you want to call them. They beat women. He didn't treat me like that. Like, he treated me good. Whatever I needed, he was there. He made sure I went to school, was back in time from Philadelphia to go to school in Delaware. But he also made sure you had sex with guys for money. Yeah. You know? But at the time, I never looked at it like that. Right. Right. I'm like, somebody comforted me, he treated me so good, like, I'm not used to nobody being there for me and making sure, like, I'm kept up, my hair was done, you know, clothes, right. when my daughter needed, he was send stuff for my daughter out of town and stuff, like, for my mom, for my daughter, money, whatever. So, basically, and how often are you working? With him, like, a, three, four times out the week. 16 years old. Yeah, but he would make sure I got up to go to school. Cause you know, Philly is like 20, 25 minutes away from Delaware. Right. So I would get, make sure I go to school and then, you know, after school. But he would make sure I did my homework. You know, like, it was <sighs> weird. It, it's, it's just so hard to digest. Yeah. And this guy, how old was he? I think Jamal was like 36. Were you sexually active with him? No, he never, and that was the thing, never. That's why I think I was so comfortable with him. This 36-year-old man is driving a 16-year-old child on one hand to school mm. and on the other hand on dates to have sex with money. Mm. Taking your money mm. and taking care of you, taking care of your responsibilities mm. and taking care of himself. Mm. Did he have other women? Yeah, yeah, it was like four of us. Yeah, all live in the same house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a nice house. I had my own room. Like, he took care of me. I, I had one interview with someone, and she she basically said she was dating a, an older guy, let's say she was 16, mm-hmm. and the other guy was maybe in his 40s. The guy was a pedophile, clearly. Mm-hmm. But it was like the only love that she knew. Yeah, it's like so that. It was, it was sort of hard for her to even look at him in that way because... Yeah. I think they call that Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. When it's a guy that's really, you know, mm-hmm. but you don't feel like that because they treat you so good. That's, you know, that's how he did. He didn't, he never beat on me. I never see, He never did that with none of the women. He treated us nice. He was real so soft-spoken. You know that perception of a pimp you get? He wasn't that. How long did you do that for? I didn't do that for long, probably a few months. My family started questioning, so they're like, where you be at? Like, where you getting this money from? Where you? And I would be like, he's doing it. And then my family, like, was on it. Like, who is he? And then, you know, like, that guy come around again? You know, like, they was asking certain questions. Like, they was on it. But and it came for, like, a few months. You know, when I went back, like, he came there one time, and a family member cursed him out. I was like, like, how old are you? Mm-hmm. Like, what you doing with her? Mm-hmm. But I realized, too, that wasn't my thing. My passion... Like, I tried that and selling drugs, and, like, selling drugs was more my thing. Like, I, I can't believe I ever even did that. For real? Yeah, that yes. wasn't, like, yeah, that wasn't, as I got older, I'm like, that's, I never told nobody that, like, about that. Really? But. Wow. I think when some people see this, they gonna have an idea, like, I knew it. Like, I knew it was something. You was probably the flyest girl in school. Yeah, he cut me up. He said he had done everything, like, all the time. I was good. What was the highlight about that point in your life? That I could do certain stuff around a person, like, they didn't judge me. It was other people like me. Like, I felt like I got judged all the time. I was always a black sheep, so it was other people doing the same thing I'm doing, so nobody's not judging me. And these people are older than me. 
So, you know, like, finally I could be myself around, you know, like, and nobody's not. What was the worst part of your life? And what was the worst part of that point in your life? Being away from my family, being with strangers. That was a, not having a childhood. That was the worst part of my life. Like, I don't know these people. One time I thought this one guy was going to do something to me, like the way he was talking to me. But then he, like, threw me out of his car. He threw money at me. He threw me out of his car. He was like, get the fuck off the streets. Like, how old are you? And I told him. But he still gave me the money. He didn't do nothing with me. And that's when I realized, like, it's more to the shit than that. But he, he threw me out of his car. He threw money at me. He was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you're a little-ass girl. Yeah. I never forget his face. If I ever see that man again, I remember him. Yeah, because that's like humiliating and humbling at the same yeah, time. Yeah, right. Know what I mean, it's just like, hey, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, here's this person that's probably morally unjust, but he still has a moment of morality yeah. in such a negative yeah, space. Right. That's very mm. interesting to me. Okay, so. You end up selling drugs when? So six so years later, like years later. Not not that like probably like twenty. That's 20 when I got was this other guy. He just came home from the feds. He was like a friend of the family for years. But I'm older now. When he got locked up I was young. I was my his friend's little cousin. So he never tried to talk to me. He used to send me to the store with dollars and shit. I was happy. But now he's I'm grown. I got kids now. I have three kids at this time. I had three kids at 19. 19 I had three kids by the age of 19. So now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so now he meets, you know, he sees me as an adult and we start kicking it and stuff. And then that's when everything go left. The abuse, the drug use, the drug selling of the drugs, the trafficking drugs. That's when my life spiraled out of control for real. And you never went to jail until you was 33? Never went to jail. So you hustled for 13 years. Because I was, before I actually lived there, I was just bringing it. So I wasn't, you know, and then I, when I moved there, I moved there when I was like 26. So I wasn't actually living in Binghamton. You said you moved there with your husband. Mm-hmm. Who was hustling for your ex mm -hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. We was, me and my ex moved to Delaware, and then me and him moved to Delaware. We fell out, we broke up, I met my husband. And I threw the ex out, he came to, Bing he went to Binghamton, and then we were still, but we was cool, like, he was like a friend of the family. We was cool, I looked out for him, like, I had tax money, gave him the tax money to get on his feet. He went to Binghamton, did his thing, and so he like, I need help, but I only trust you. I'm pregnant with my 11-year-old at the time. I'm like, I can't, I can't be moving around. I'm almost about to have a baby. He like, who do you trust? I'm like, the only person I trust is my husband at the time. So he like, yeah, fuck it. I have no problem with you still talking to your ex, still, you know, looking out for your ex. He was just, he would say a little shit, but like, it was money thing. I'm, you know, I was trying to make him look at the bigger picture. So it's like, it's like you the man of the house. Listen, it was, and that's, that's what, yeah, no, that's what it felt like. I took care of everything. That's what it felt like. So at first I was bringing shit back and forth, but then he ended up moving there. Did you, did you end up backsliding? Did you end up sleeping with her? Yeah, here and there. Here and there, yeah. 
I said. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. He was, because now I'm looking at it like, and that's and this is what it's fucked up because I'm looking at it like he's taking care of us. Like, oh, my man. I, yeah, like. Oh, my God. He's taking care of my whole family. When we moved to Binghamton, he furnished my whole house, did everything, something like. And your man is going for it. And he's hustling for him. It's, but like the, the, it's like the worst position you could be in as yeah. a man mm-hmm. to have her ex take care of you. Mm-hmm. you, you, you My know. ex would do certain shit by me, designer clothes and stuff, and be. But he'll tell people like, like he'll give it to my husband. Like I remember one day they went to the store, and he bought me a Montclair coat. And he gave it to him to make it seem like he to tell everybody like he got it for me. He didn't want nobody to look. You know, he, he, he was the guy. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> okay, so cops come, bust down the door, yell, somebody got to go to jail, somebody got to be accountable for these drugs. Both of us went to jail. It's kind of something called constructive possession where they could charge both of you. So that's why I wrote the judge in the DA and said it was mine. Because both of us was in there. So now we got kids and no parent is home. My uncle came from out of town and held me down. Took care of my, my uncle wound up getting left by his wife. Because she was even like, it's either my kids or her. So my uncle, you know, that's... You got three kids at home. I had four kids at home. You had four kids at home? Mm-hmm. And then you were pregnant? Mm-hmm. My daughter was the oldest. She was 18. She wound up moving out. Of course they feel like they got to hustle. Yeah. To break... Because what's the average day like for you at the top of your game out in Binghamton hustling? Five, six thousand a day. What? And they, when it was real good, yeah. And they was, you know, they used to live in a certain lifestyle. Now I'm not there. They got to, they, and they held it there. And I was wondering, what, I ain't asked questions though. When, where the fuck they getting this money from? People, I'm in jail. People coming in jail from out, you know, like from off the streets getting locked up. And they're like, your kids out there selling weed. They doing this, they doing that. But rent is getting paid. They doing Christmas for the little one. At the time, he was six. They taking care of him for Christmas. Shit like, you know, they doing holidays, they paying rent, they putting money on my books, they holding it down. So. At the perspective. Mm, they, they, they took How care of me. How long did your husband do? He did like four or five months. He came home, he did him. He forgot about me, the baby, the kids. For real? Yeah. See? You have, and, and he, okay. And how many kids do you have by him? I have two. My last two is by him. Your last two is by him. I keep saying 11, but he just turned 12 on the 31st. So the 12-year-old and the 5-year-old. What's your relationship like with him now? It's, we have our days. We co-parent. So we have our days. Like, some days he bringing up old shit. Like, we're not together. We separated. We've been separated for years now. But we have our days where... I guess when he don't want to do shit, separate. you know, like, mm-hmm. when he's mad with me, he takes it out on the kids. We have those days that when he, he's mad, he ain't fucking with them. Do you regret holding him down? Yeah. 100%. Because I feel like I put a man before my kids. I left them to protect him, and then he shit it on me. And then he got locked up after that anyway. Hmm. Right after. What's something you would tell that younger girl? Um, what's something you would tell your younger self? Maybe a 16-year-old. Well, let's go back to the 13-year-old. 
That didn't make me cry. To the 13 year old. Um, but you got people that care, because I did. I just wanted to run the streets and shit. I, I don't know, but I wanted to live this type of lifestyle that I didn't have to, you know what I mean? I didn't have to live like that. I had a good childhood. My mom took good care of me. I went to school. I got scholarships. Um... I'm so far gone, I don't know what I would tell her. Yes. I would tell her, like, I'm sorry, I fucked up. And that you better than that, you know? Like, in a, in a way, I don't regret nothing. Because it made me independent, made me who I am. But I don't know what I was looking for. I don't know, at that time. Thank you. What do you think that 13 year old says back to you? If she says anything to you, if she could meet this version of you? Like, I fucked up, like, I don't think she would forgive me. I don't forgive me. You don't forgive me? Why? I felt like the way I was, and, like, I fucked my kids up. Like, I messed everybody up around me. Like, me being the way I was, I put everybody at risk. And now my kids is growing up and they in certain situations and I feel like it's my fault. Cause they only doing what they saw. Like I didn't give them that type of lifestyle that kids should have. Like, you know, like they see men beat my ass. They see me use drugs. They see me package up drugs. They see me sell drugs. They see people knock on the door. Like I was selling drugs at my house, so Like, I fucked everybody up. Kids don't deserve to see that. Like, they, they, my house got raided, like, over 10 times. So they just used to it. Like, kids shouldn't go through it. I never went through that as a kid. My mom never, my house never got raided. But you went through other things, right? Yeah, some other, you, you, you had a lot of other, I mean, Brownsville alone. Brownsville is yeah. not even a safe place now, let alone in the 90s. Yeah. Brownsville is one of the, it, it, to some, hell on earth. And you made it out of there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you have to consider, the, you have to consider where you came from. You have to consider the fact that, you know, you are healthy and, you know, you are making an attempt mm -hmm. to be better. You are getting your story out to save people's lives. Mm -hmm. Not just that, but... You know how many people will never be able to be even standing up right now? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
like my son told me, the one that's locked up now, I um, I text him one night. I was up like three in the morning. They got the tablets. So like before I go to bed, I try to text him every night before I go to bed. And I was just telling him how sorry I was for like everything they've been through. And I wish I could have been a better mom and this, that, and the third. And he was like, you are a good mom. It's just that we are a product of our environment. Mm. It's not, it's not you. So that made me feel good, but then it made me cry too, because it's like, damn, like having them so young, I didn't have no control over where we was at. I'm living with my grandpa, you know, at the time after I had them, like I'm living in Brownsville with my family members, and they didn't have no, I didn't have no control over that where they was at. I didn't have nothing, so like, where can I take them? Besides the environment, they, you know, like where can I go? What money do I have? Well, you have a job now. Mm. You are in a drug program. Whether you feel like it's helping or not, it's an attempt. Mm-hmm. It's a step. Yeah. And if you think that kids are not watching that, you know, all is not over. All is not lost. But then I had one son that told me, I asked him, you know, everybody said they're proud of me for going to drug program. He's like, I'll see it when I, be- I believe it when I see it. So I got a son that's, you know, like, and then I got one that's like, it's gonna take I don't want to hear that shit. Like, yeah, yeah it's going to take you. And you know what I'm saying? But you, I don't have to tell you to be strong. You already are a strong person. Mm. You know what I mean? You already are a strong person. You just got to stay on the path. The path is the, that's the hard part. Just mm-hmm. stay on the path and not backsliding and, 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 and going back into selling drugs and, you know, yeah. doing all these things. I'm too loyal to people, even my own kids. Sometimes they put me in messed up situations. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I can't really speak on too much because I got an open case, but... Um, you, you, when you took that charge for your son, you felt like you owed it to him? Yeah. I felt like I'm already a felon. I already fucked up my life. He only 19. Why would I... You could potentially go to jail for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much are you looking at? I don't know, they didn't give me an offer yet. Like, I didn't get indicted yet, so hopefully, I don't know, like, I may go into the drug program. I've been doing everything the courts been asking me, so I don't know yet, but. Some advice for somebody else that probably is the little girl that you were or the older woman that you were. Some advice that they want to live the life, they need the money, they think they want to hustle, they want to take the drugs, they want to, what some advice that you could offer them? It's not worth it, and and you hurt everybody around you. Like I said, I have a five-year-old that one day I have to tell him he was born in prison. You hurt everybody else that's around you, and most importantly, like you hurt yourself. Like I'm broken, I'm damaged. Like I put on a facade, I laugh, I smile, but like shit eat away at me. Like I try to. That's where the drugs coming at because I try not to relive certain things. I think about you know shit that we went through and like damn like I can't believe I did that like why I fucked them up like damn I'm just how can a parent do that to like their kids like yeah I buy them shit I'm there but you know like I failed them miserably I failed them I failed my daughter first before anybody like I failed them and that shit I only could try to do right now but like I would tell them that shit ain't worth it Five years from now, what's the ideal situation of life for you? 
what's a good day look like five years from now if you had the perfect ideal situation for yourself? A good day for me would be no pills, having a day that I didn't have to take pills to get through the day. My kids, none of us being in trouble, not having no charges, doing nothing, kicked in, nobody selling drugs, everybody living a regular ass life, normal life, working, going to school, all of them with me. And them just, you know, wanting me around. It's like sometimes they, like my oldest son, he don't really, I know he loved me, but he don't really fuck with me like that. My daughter either, like, so that's all I want. If I could, it ain't about money, it ain't about nothing. I done did that, I done had that. If I could just get my relationship back with my kids, that's a, that's a good day for me. If I could just, you know what I mean? If I could just have them, you know, let them know that I'm sorry, like, and just show them different and them look at me different. That's a that's a good day for me. Just them accepting my apology and I don't know, cause I can't. How, how can I tell somebody not to live a certain way when I did? Like, who am I to say? But you should. Yeah, I could say it, you know. But like. It's always gonna be well, you did it. Well, no, like we got this from you, type shit. So. This is Trapping Anonymous. My name is Chris Dallas.